Welcome to Elite Six Think Tank, an open discussion group with business owners who share their knowledge, experience and skills. Good morning everyone, welcome along to Elite Six Central, um, this is our Think Tank meeting. Uh, today's topic is determining your value uh, and that's probably a real saucy meeting topic to get into. If you haven't been to our Think Tank before, I welcome our guests. Michaela. Thank you, Michaela. And uh, if you haven't met Liz before, she's, I think you've never met Liz. And I don't know if we've got any other new faces here. We should all know each other. Uh, Leon? No, not Leon. You're another one. You're John. 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 What do you do, John? Uh, Work for Fleet Fund GPS, uh, Fleet Dragon. Can't sit out the podcast with your hat, but I just sort of bring that out. So you can locate anyone like a peeping dog. Yeah. Love that. Um, so I've got three balls, so if you want to speak, uh, put your hand up, we'll give you a ball. Um, and then if you want to speak next, put your hand up, we'll give you another ball. And then um, when you start to go on a little bit, I'll come and snatch the ball out of you. Or gently take it out of your hand for the next person that has the hand up. Hmm? No. <laughs> <laughs> go with the gold, and the ball just makes the rules. So that's really cool. Alright, so... Um, What's um, the first thing we do? We break this meeting into four parts. We've got uh, people's experiences uh, with determining your value. Um, we've got some problems that people have with trying to come up with their value, and then we'll talk about some solutions. And then hopefully, about twenty-five past ten, we'll have some great takeaways that you can take away and it will change your life. Deal. 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 Sounds good. Right. So we're at about uh, probably about sixteen people in the room. We might get a few stragglers coming in late. So um, let's start off, and people's experiences of trying to determine their value. I talked about last week, we had a lady that's just started out in business, and she uh, is charging $40 an hour. Can anyone imagine charging $40 an hour trying to run a business? So this lady uh, currently is now too busy, and she's worried about trying to handle the workload. What would be a good suggestion for her, perhaps? Put the price up. Yeah. Easy. But how does she go about telling her existing clients that she's not charging $40 an hour anymore, she's now charging $60 an hour because that's where she sits? Or how does she determine the value? Because what's her biggest fear? Losing the customer she's got. Yeah. But she may well do a transition where every new client is on X rate, and for her existing clients she's giving them a warning that it's going to incrementally reach that rate. So yes. she maintains their goodwill but set the new standard for the new people. That's right. Yeah. I like that. A transition period is what it's called. In the transition period, you will not be charged with <laughs> For the record, David Clarkson's talking about a ball. <laughs> the first one. Oh, a big hug. Red calcium front. I was going to say I think I've seen it. And what was the point? Careful, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Adam. Yeah. <laughs> the point was have a transition period. If you're going to put the price up and you want to charge new people coming in a new price, you charge them that price and you let your other clients know that there is a transition period in place, it may be a month or two months, however, whatever you long you, however long you decide, and then you say at the end of that the price will be going up to such and such, but in the meantime you're being left with the lower price to reflect your uh, yeah. I uh, started off with, uh, I haven't got a ball, I won't talk. Nigel. This comes out of the fact that when somebody moves from being employed to employing himself, they do not appreciate the costs involved in self-employment. And so if you're being, 
if you up until then only earned something fairly minimal, like the minimum hourly rate is $1,700 an hour, the thought of charging 40 seems huge. The reality, of course, is it's nowhere near enough. But part of the problem is that mental transition. You've got to stop thinking like an employee and start thinking like a business person. Because after all, your business might only be paying you $800 an hour, but the chances are that they're charging you out $40 or $50 an hour. That is business thinking, and you have to make that transition from being an employee to now being a self-employed and all that that implies. Cool. Sahara? What you were saying about increasing rate, when I left my ex-husband to set up on my own, I doubled my rate straight away and I, my clients shot right up and they were quality clients, which really made a difference. So clients actually wanted to make a change and didn't just want to sit there and talk about it which made a massive difference to my reputation for where I am, which is great. So now I do charge my time. So and you are also a quality person, you know. I mean, what would have gone, uh, would it be the same thing if you were bad, like in your job, like for example? I would never want to be bad at my job. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you don't aspire. No, but if you were not as good as you are, then you can't just make yourself the prices higher and people wouldn't come then. I think a question, mm -hmm. quite yeah, obvious question. Yeah, well I mean, um, <laughs> is, our, is your hourly rate a factor when people are hiring your services? Or, or do you price yourself out of the market? Mm. That's probably what I'm thinking. Um, I've lost the ball. Here we go. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I'm a, I'm a person who's not, not on an hourly rate, and, and, it, and it's commission-based, obviously, and I get paid by insurance companies. So if you were to convert that into an hourly rate, it depends on the client and what they've purchased from you. It could be anything from $40, $40 an hour. Keep talking. I've just taken the book for the next person who's keen to talk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but equally, you know, I, I worked with clients last week that if you worked it on an hourly basis, I got close to $1,000 now. Mm -hmm. So the real determination about your value is, A, what you bring to the role in the first instance and what you value yourself. But short term and mid term and, and beyond that, the actual value is from what your clients see in you. And if you're working in a word of mouth type business, that's priceless in terms of that value and it's and I would say that if you're on an hourly rate, that's a determiner of, of your success and what you are going to um, realistically charge for. I've got a perfect scenario, I'd love to use you as an example, but you probably get embarrassed when I mentioned it. David Clarkson? Just it seems to me that one of the things that there's two ways to go about it as far as I'm concerned. First way is to check around the market and see what everybody else is charging. And if there's if, if that's the going rate, then that should be your rate. The second approach, if that's impractical for you or there's nobody else actually in your particular niche and you want to do it, is to stand back and do in the old days they used to have a term of the cost plus mentality. But in actual fact, you can use that to help you establish your price. And basically, you can get an account to help you do it, but you can pretty much do it yourself. If you sit down and you look at all the costs that are involved in running 
your business. And that's everything from running your car, running your, uh, having your electricity, paying for your rates, everything. Think about all those costs. Think about what would be a normal hourly rate that you might normally expect to get if you were in employment yourself. Go right through that, put all those costs together, and then say to yourself, for me being in business, there's got to be a margin in it for me. So decide on a margin that you think is effective. And then, having got all the costs together, you can say they could be your annual costs. Think about, say, how many clients you think you're, or how much work you're likely to do, or you set, have you set yourself as a target, and then divide those total costs by that target. And there's your, that's the price that you can charge. The last thing I want to say on this is, whatever you charge, be happy with what you're charging. And if in fact the number comes out too high, and you think, hey, that really isn't appropriate for me starting off, then go with what you're happy with, but keep that number in mind and move back to it as quick as you can. So what I'm getting from what you just said is kind of like paint a picture of how much money you need to sustain yourself, and then and then work backwards and say, hey, am I going to accomplish that, that mission? Now I'm going to put you on hold, Mr. Worley, because this lady's going to get grumpy with me, but don't let the lady go first, and she'll give me evil looking, and your evil looking isn't as bad as her evil looking. So, um, Paul Blackley, welcome along. I've been seeing you for a long time. Right. I haven't seen you for a long time. It's cool. Um, yes, Sharon. I just want to go back to what we said over here. I wouldn't in a million years work with an accountant that only charged me $40 an hour. That's right. So that's the other side of it. And we have a huge amount of competition in our industry and we're forever getting, oh, but so-and-so's only going to charge me 6%. So-and-so's only going to charge me 4%. I'm like, you crack on. And when it all goes horribly wrong, you've got the telephone number. Matt, Matt so, James is up really good this morning. He basically said when people ask him how much, when it's the first thing they ask him, he says, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah. People um, argue with me about a dollar a week, and I'm just like, you're not a client that needs to be working with me anyway because you're not going to do the maintenance and do their side of the bargain. Yeah. I do like arguing with you. Um, we'll go Rob and then you, and then I'll do a spare ball. Sorry, Sharon. Love you a long time. Better <laughs> be good, Rob. Oh. Uh, I'm going to throw a little spanner in the work here because oh, I think. It's too early in the day, mate. Are all, all making one assumption, and the assumption is the only person earning revenue is us because if we were able to get heaps of hours and 40 bucks an hour and we were able to pass it off to other people and take a cut out of that it's all extra money and that lady that you're talking about I actually just said I, I suggested to her I said if you get heaps of work at that hourly rate and you can pass it on and make a little bit of money in between, I would pass it on. Because you need customers and, and there's he heaps of big businesses out there who don't worry about the profit, they worry about market share. And so if that was an accountant, it's not an accountant who, who we're talking about by the way, um, because it's not accounts work that she's doing. But if she wanted to be a huge business in her industry, then she'll take all the work she can get, pass it on, pass it on, pass it on, pass it on, and she controls her market. Actually, $40 an hour reminds me what a recruitment company would potentially charge for somebody to hire her services and then pay the 
you know, but that's about that. It needs to be another level up. I've forgotten where we are. We've got Chris and then Helen and then Stephen, all the way from the West Coast this week. I just want to change perspective. Um, we're all talking about us setting the value, but actually you can also set the value based upon the customer that you're trying to chase. If you're trying to chase upper echelon customers with high, a lot of money, they want quality work, they're not going to pay standard rates, cheap rates. They are only interested in companies that have valued themselves extremely high and they will pay those rates, but the expectation of delivery and quality they expect mm. is high. But that goes with the price, and it's not about you setting your price based on what other people and things do. It's again comes back to the customer you're trying to actually chase and what they're willing to pay for your service, and you can use that as a way of determining your value that you should be charging. When I was a painter and a decorator, uh, we were quoting houses at the time for about five to seven thousand dollars to paint the house out, and we thought this guy wanted a real flash job, and it was in Merivale. And we were, it was a three-bedroom house, so we quoted ten thousand dollars, and he said no. Sorry, but he wanted to be in the Trend magazine, and he said no. You guys are too cheap. Wow! I said, what was the next quote? He said nineteen thousand dollars. We'd only been in business three or four months. We worked out how much it was to do the job, rather than what he wanted. Helen, your moment to shine. Make it good. Um, in photography. Um it's very hard to have just, the, we don't have one set price and, and that confuses a lot of people because portraiture is charged different to commercial rates, to other things, sport maybe. Commercial <coughs> rates are really hard in the respect that you need to find out what the person is using your photograph for, whether they're going to put it in a magazine, whether they're going to use it on a billboard, and we have licensing rates for that. So um, you charge a customer, I don't know, $1,000 to use your picture over a period of a year. And there's another rate for something else. So it's really, really different. It's so often when people say to me, can you take a photo? Well, um, I have to ask what they're gonna use it for um, and charge accordingly. So it's different whether it's commercial, whether it's portrait. Aside from that, um, within the New Zealand Institute of Professional Photography, there's a um, base rate calculator. So it's in Excel, and you put everything in, a bit like what you were saying, David, you put everything in of your whole costings, you know, your equipment, what it costs to run your office, blah, 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 all your outgoings, and it gives you pretty much what you should be charging per hour or per day. So that's a really good, um, a really good exercise to do because you can see what you should be charging. And I think I put mine in. And it was, and it also works out how many days a year you work because you're not working every day of the year, and you take out maybe weekends or you take out holidays, and it becomes. I think I worked mine out, and it was something like three hundred dollars an hour. So it's really hard to, yeah, you have that rate. No, I can't. But yeah. But it's a good exercise to do. Put everything in and see what it comes out. She's undercharged, you know. Yeah. yeah. All those photos, she's going to send me a bill at the end. Helen's mm -hmm. my personal photographer, by the way. Uh, we have got Stephen. Um, yeah, Ali writes, I think a lot of it's about deliverables and what your product is and about economy rather than um, something being cheaper. Uh, a lot of people come to me in my profession and I say I can reduce my Ali rates but the product that I will provide you will be less valuable. Um, 
I can get you a building consent, but it won't be thought out, the details won't be complete, so the builder can build them. So there's always cheaper on the market, but I tell my clients that cheaper can be more expensive than economical, because you get hit with extra costs and extra things. So I think it's very important to, to understand what you're providing at what cost, and it, it seems to be in this market, if I go and get topographical surveys and tendering costs, it's not so much the cost that's being provided, it's the value and the service that those people are going to provide for that cost. Um, and it's not, being able to communicate with the client with those parameters and things that you yes. work for them. So if I go to get topographical surveys and I've got one, two, three prices and then I get them and then I have to transfer them into a three-dimensional map so I can design it, but if that person there is going to provide it for the same price, it saves me three or four days' work. So the, the service that's provided for that cost can determine the economy and therefore the, the rate. So when I started out as a website developer, I said a few weeks ago, I had $300 in my name, hitchhiked around New Zealand, and my goal was to get another, <coughs> another $300 to my name so I could carry my next client. And then I thought, oh, I'll charge $30 a month um, to host and promote the website. And then about two or three years later, I had a quite, a, quite a big network of websites, but I weren't making any money. I was just really busy. So then somebody said, put your rates up. So I went from $30 a month to $100 a month and I lost 2% of my clients, to my surprise. That was a big jump. Some of them just left me, but the clients that left me were my favorite clients, unfortunately, hope you're not listening. And um, then from that day forward, from now on, I'm gonna start charging $150 a client, and I do that for accommodation providers. And then with the rental car operators I was working for, it was $300 a month. Then I got 10 clients in a row who did rental cars with me. So they went up to $500 a month, and I got a couple more and then I thought, I don't need any more clients, so I started charging $1,000 a month, which in perspective of today's advertising, a lot of people were spending that on Google AdWords alone. And I were Google AdWords at the time, because it was back in 1998, um, and people were spending $36,000 in half-page ads in the yellow pages in Auckland, Wellington, and Christchurch. And one of my clients had four telephones on the counter with four different company names. And I'm coming along saying, I'm charging $30 a month. No, oh, yeah didn't care about me, didn't value me either. Um, but when they started paying me $500 a month, they wanted more, and I was responsible for their whole business, and I used, I was getting stressed. Has anyone else had any experiences whether people are saying they're too expensive, or that they don't value what you do, or how do you get to that next level? <coughs> yep, definitely, yep. What about me, guys? I got told I did a photo shoot and it was a family shoot and that was for $400 and I got, and the woman, yeah exactly, that is not expensive and the woman said to me, I'll have to get a mortgage to pay you and it was just so rude, I couldn't believe it. So they don't value your service I guess. Cheap is so cheap. Yeah. It, it's, in, it's interesting, things that people think they can do themselves, they will undervalue. For instance, anybody can pick up their phone and take a photograph, okay, exactly what, and so people are not inclined to think about all the other stuff that goes in, the training that you get yeah, to, as you say, right. apply yeah. your filters and yeah. have them in the right position, etc. The same thing very often with accountants. People can add and subtract mm. and divide and multiply. So what do you need accountants? You know, they're yeah. 
we can do it just as well. And a lot of people undervalue accounts because they think, well, I just had a bit of time, I could do it myself. What yeah. the hell? Yeah. And of course, and of course, the the real thing is that people doesn't matter what you do. If you're professional about what you do, you have expertise at what you do. Then people not only have got to pay for the the thing that you provide, but what also goes in to the provision of that, whether it's in the terms of plant and machinery, or knowledge and experience, or qualifications of whatever sort. And bear in, and I think we've all got to bear that in mind because we all bring. We're in business because we've got something special to offer. And think about that when you're thinking about your value. Right. Another. Another prime example is, you know, people are paying for your services and your expertise, right? So I went to Auckland last week and photographed the New Zealand gymnastic champs. You've got to know what you're doing. You've got to have decent equipment or you'll go there and you just won't do a good job. So um, I turn up, I mean, I've spent a lot of money on getting good equipment. It's not just the equipment though, you've got to have the eye, you've got to know what you're looking for, right? So these Australian photographers took photos too and they hired a young girl from Auckland and she turned up with a camera that was no way a sports camera. Um, it's just, this is what photographers deal with, someone with a DSLR oh, I'm a professional photographer, I have a DSLR, so I must be professional, you know. She turns up with that, she turns up with a lens, the photographer said, bring a 70 to 200 lens, she brings a lens, and that's nowhere near any good for the dark venue. It's a dark venue, you've got to have a what's called a fast lens, a 2.8, f2.8, and below. And she turns up with this lens, and so he gave her top-of-the-line Nikon D5, which is a top Nikon camera, top of the line lens, put her out there and said, take photos of the uh, double mini tramp athletes, 90%, she had a fantastic camera, 90% of those photos were out of focus. She <laughs> did not know what she was doing. So you're paying for the expertise of the photographer. You know, you're not just paying because they've got a great camera. Especially You've got to know though. what you're doing. Yeah. That, that's why I look so good in the photos that Helen takes, because she just knows how to do it. Liz, and um, we might ask Paul a couple of questions, because he's in an interesting business. Hi, for those that don't know me, I'm Liz Will Cuisine Catering. Um, and that's a huge, huge battle, is getting, um, people don't understand the the time and the effort that you put into putting catering together. I had somebody um, the other day, for example, ask me for a quote, I put a quote together for them, and of course, you know, there's the time and effort in putting the, the quote together and the menu together, and then them approving it, and then going, yes, okay, is your final quote, and then they turn around and went, oh, no, that's too much, we might just get out a fresh choice and get some stuff for me. Okay, <laughs> that's what you want to do, that's fine. <laughs> you know, pick it up and deliver it for them. So, people don't understand the whole in, in hospitality, you know, you your, your, your thirds rule, and you've, you've got to have. I mean, people don't understand too, you know, oh, I had someone the other day, it was a lawyer actually, oh, well, why do I have to pay so much when I go to a restaurant? You know, and I said, well, these are the costs, this is the breakdowns, you know, this is the, it was a classic kind of legal person kind of going, oh, well, this is what I think it's worth. It's like, well, this is what I think you're worth. Man, were they insulted. <laughs> and I said, well, you know that 15-minute conversation we've just had, that you turned into a 45-minute conversation, and you're charging me for 45 minutes. I want to charge you for 15 minutes of it, because you competed yourself three times. <laughs> so, you know, it's that whole people valuing you is a really hard thing, because 
mean, if you check in a restaurant, it gets between $25, you know, around $25 an hour. No, that's an average. Most chefs in restaurants get between 18 and $22 an hour. I think um, when you come into uh, Eagle Genius and you actually got the chef to cost out his meals and he didn't know how, yeah. that would actually make a huge difference. So he's delivering yeah. meals not knowing how much that's actually costing to put together. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. So it's that, it's that whole, it's not just valuing your time, but it's valuing the whole thing. I mean, mm. You're not charging for that quotation, are you? Sorry? You're not charging your time to put that no. quotation together. No, that's just it. That's kind of, I do that as part of what I'm doing. Because I do bespoke catering and I specialise in dietaries, so I do a menu, if someone comes to me and goes, oh my god, I've got five gluten-free person, people, a vegan person, a, a vegetarian, okay, okay, cool. I've got all this information and knowledge and experience. I mean, 30 years in the industry, you have a lot of experience. Um, I put a menu together specifically for them. Yeah, Liz, so did, Liz did an exercise at one of our meetings, didn't you? Yeah. And we had to put together a, uh, a menu and then um, you know, entree, main, and oh, yeah. dessert, and then yeah. we had to break it down into how much it was going to cost to get all the ingredients and spread. It was quite a, we, we just get you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rob, and then I was going to ask Paul a question, unless you're playing with the ball. Uh, you know, um, $18 and $22 is not very much when you consider the minimum wage is 17 That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they love cooking, these chefs. Yeah. You, would do, you do it for My the flatmate loves cooking. You do it for the passion, that's why you do <laughs> it. And when, the, and when, when you get somebody coming back to you in the kitchen going, oh, that was over-salted, or, oh, I didn't like that, the way it's cooked, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was quite good. Paul um, owns Anytime Fitness in Rangura, and a wee while ago he was promoting um, a free trial, and people would come for a seven-day free trial, and then they would leave. And we suggested that he changed it. To, uh, well, you thought about it, and you actually did it as a money-back guarantee, a 30-day money-back guarantee. And I know that hasn't gone as ideally as it sounds, but what was your experience with that? Well, it's quite good. You know, people put there's more value in that for people to actually sign up to the gym and then if they're not happy after 30 days to get their money back, Ooh. then to just have a free week. So it's, it's difficult because we haven't been able to stop the uh, seven day thing altogether because it's part of the franchise that's Ooh. kind of there. Um, otherwise we would wipe it out and just go solely with the 30 days because they're actually paying for it and using it and then if they don't like it they get their money back rather than not so, paying for it and using so it. So expressed as a percentage, have you already got the figures about how many of those people do drop out? No. They're there for 30 days a day. Okay. The other thing about the pricing got, with, with oh, fair is that um, the only people that we have trouble with chasing money that don't haven't paid us are the ones that have had a discount price to start. Yeah. 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 And we we uh, I've found that. Uh, I've taken away the free trial from Elite Six, and it's the best thing I've ever done. Oh. Yeah, and uh, it's just that people don't see the value, or if they don't want to invest fifty-nine dollars in themselves to give it a go, then that you know they'll just disrupt everything. That's been a really good thing. Right, I'll just go to Rob, and then we'll go to uh, Nigel. So, up until about three years ago, I ran a course up in Auckland for people who who started. And what's that sound like, Rob? 
la 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 like this or similar. Um, and that course went for four days, but if you came along for four days and you paid your whole membership, you were allowed to you know, like ride back on any other course free. And we'd get people that would ask, can we get anything off the 2000? And because I was new and, and taking the program over in New Zealand, I, I wanted as many bums on seats as I could get. And so we would offer anything from a couple of hundred off to, in two cases, 1,200 off. And what we found is that if you paid 2,000 bucks, your results were better than if you paid anything less than $2,000. And in fact, the, the level of discount directly correlated to the engagement and the results, you know, like a year after or two years after or whatever, because for this particular course, you had to embrace what we're teaching you. Uh, the interesting thing now is that that course, in, in part, is about to go online free. And it's going to go online free because I'm going to do it. Because I realized that the material that we were teaching was not the value. The value is meeting other people that are working the same as you are on the same thing. And I think that the interesting thing I learned in my other antiques business is that I went for a holiday to the Gold Coast and I wanted a cake of chocolate. Like I really wanted a cake of chocolate. And I knew I could walk 20 minutes away to a mall and buy it for a couple of bucks or I could walk around the corner and, and buy it for about eight bucks I think it was. I walked around the corner and I bought it for eight bucks. And on that at that moment, literally, I thought my antiques business is not selling products, it's convenience. Because everything I have is online and if you want it, you hit a button and it rides to you and you don't have to hunt all over New Zealand or Australia or wherever to find that thing, it comes to you, right? So what is the value of your business, really? What, um, well... Right. You said uh, level of discount correlated to what? If engagement. 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 Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that was a secretary moment. Sorry. Well done. <laughs> uh, Nigel. Uh, sorry, just inversely proportional, I think, is what you mean. So so yes, but yes. I have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nigel. I've recently picked up some work for a company, and the more they give me to do, the more they realise I can do, and as a result, they basically said, pull back from their doing it and said, just let Nigel do it. Mm. So a lot of it has come down to not the value of what I'm charging, but the value of what I am to them, not having to do it themselves. So it's freeing them up to do something else, and I think they're getting a better quality product in the process. So the value there is in not so much what they're paying me, but in what I'm saving them. I'm thinking competentness, am I, am I not saying that right? Often it happens. Um, if you, are you competent at delivering your product or service? Do you give people peace of mind? Um, do you deliver what you say? You know, and how do you get that across to other people? I, I know you, I, I, I kind of pity your industry here, Chris, because even myself, 
No, well, I sat down with Chris and I needed a nap for Elite Six, and I can see the work in it, and I have no idea how it's going to, um, how how much it's going to cost. I know what I wanted, but you explained it to me in a way where I could understand where the money and the value would go. But then Chris broke it into three different. Uh, so we did a blueprint first, so I get the overall picture, and then he says stage one would be this, you'd get something at the end of it, stage two would be this, and the big picture would be down the track. And then that was a lot easier for me to swallow. So when I used to do a lot of website stuff, people would say, what's your hourly rate? And I'd say $1,200, uh, $120 an hour. So that wasn't working. So then I'd they'd go, oh, well, you know, and I'd go, well, what I do now is I charge my time at 10 hour implements, so $1,200. $1,200 will get you a website like the last five websites I did. They looked like this, and they took 10 hours. It cost them $1,200. This website cost $2,400 because well, once we got to stage one done, the people saw my value and they wanted more, and then now they went for another 10 hours. And normally, get the, the, the 10 hours time uh, in, um, but then I'd give 15 hours worth of my time. They didn't need to know about that. So I'm giving you know, my time away free, they don't need to know that, but I'm still getting what I feel I'm valued at. And that's kind of worked really well for me. The days of charging $75 an hour, I always struggled to get it. For some reason, $120 an hour works better. Anyone else any thoughts? Chris? Oh, we nearly got Sam again. Oh, sorry, hold it, hold that thought. Mine's actually going back a bit to um, what you were saying with uh, Paul with that 30 day money back guarantee. Um, Currently, we offer a free trial with our services, so you can chuck the device in and trial it out for two weeks to a month. We've got a 92% conversion rate with that, which is obviously very high. Um, it's not something that we advertise, uh, but we are looking at a, a review of our marketing, and it's something that we're looking at advertising. I'd be inter interested to know people's thoughts on business to business um, with the offering that free trial or a money back guarantee. Um, obviously we've got a strong conversion rate currently uh, but like I said it's not something that we're actively advertising um, if we advertise obviously more leads would actually start coming through uh, but would that would offering the money back guarantee get rid of a lot of tire kickers I've just, I, I just got an immediate thought on that by the time you get that device in their car and you set it all up for them you build a relationship up with them mm. and then you know the, 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 and the inconvenience of saying I don't want it and come back to my car and take it out again I reckon that would be... Well, they do it all themselves. We, oh, we, yeah, oh. we go, let you, we can help organise the install, but you're paying for it. It's up to you to pay for the install and removal of it. Just send us back the device. Right. Right, the feedback, it's a great product and it sells itself, but we do focus on customer service quite highly, and we're small enough to be able to be very proactive in that field. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to... They're already investing, aren't they? Free trial is not as... Yeah, the free trial is not as good as the money back guarantee as, as far as commitment. So I think the free trial is not as good as the money back guarantee as, as far as the commitment from the customer. So if it's free, they don't care. You can take it away again, no drama. You know, If they've already paid for it and they have to go and get their money back off you, some people just won't do it, You know, even whether they think it's good or not. And um, it, you know it's more of a hurdle for them to go through, and they have more commitment because they've put a few bucks up to start. You think it'd be the same uh, attitude, business to business, as business to customer? 
I just wondered if I was sat on the fence about, oh, you know, I'll get around to it, I'll look into it, oh, I must do that next month, whatever, then the free trial aspect of it might be enough to make it happen today. And once I've gone to that stage, I'm not going to be bothered taking it out again. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Or the product's so good that you don't need to worry about people well, not wanting too. it. But yeah, sure. yeah. Um, yeah, that's good, guys. Um, so we are doing a right time. We're doing ten past ten. We've got twenty minutes going. Do you want to say something for wisdom? I just, uh, no, no, I wouldn't say wise at all. <laughs> Yay! Your favourite comments? Uh, I was just gonna, we were talking earlier about um, how you value yourself and how that's seen. And, and we, I know when we started, we our structure enabled us to charge a very low rate for what we did, and we passed it on to our customers. What we found very quickly was that although they were happy they were getting a low rate, they didn't see the value and the experience that we were bringing to the table and what we were delivering them. Even though you're delivering a quality product and service, because you were charging a low amount, there wasn't the value there. So the urgency therefore wasn't on their side as a business to get things done. So we would end up a lot of the time chasing trying to get answers, trying to get testing done and things like that. But they were busy. They were busy, they were busy. Because we were charging such a small amount of money compared to other people that the urgency wasn't on their side to actually do anything they needed to get done, which then it directly affected our cash flow and our business. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until we changed our, our margins quite substantially that we started to get traction from people when we were engaging because it was going to cost them more now if they didn't actually act. So it's into tuning and value. You've got to think about, you know, you need to prompt action from your customers as well. Imagine if you didn't charge and there was no dollar value. What do you mean, you know? Um, What's that? That's the problem we've got is our classes. We don't charge at the moment for the classes that we do during the week um, and neither does any of the other gyms around the neighbourhood but but those classes cost me $2,000 a month to run so you know I need to get that money back mm. and they need time fitness people wanting us to get um, exercises from the states that they've done for us to um, do the classes with, you know, the prescription if you like. Imagine if you had coin and, um, op- operated machines. Us, so then we need to pass that on. So it's very hard then to say people are getting these things for free now, how do we change to having them pay for it? Put those but coin op- operated machines in and see what happens. I perceive it as being part of my membership. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that I'm not turning up to that class have paid for it because that's why I've joined the gym. Maybe you need an accountability coach to be at the gym instead of uh, somebody who operates the machines. Uh, we'll go to Sisihira. Um A lot of coaches offer 20 minutes free consults. You'll probably see them on their websites. I don't. Um, I call people back if they contact me and I give them the time. Now what that tends to say to the person on the other end of the phone is that this isn't a free consult to decide whether I like that person. This person's actually taken the time to give me a call because I'm valued. Mm. And 
I find that works really well. When I took away the free consult, I got more clients. I used to send out reminders to people every night before their meeting. I used to send out an email once a week. And I just, I sort of, the type of people I'm trying to attract, that I have to continuously remind them what time to turn up or, you know, the meeting that they are the right type of clientele for me. And that's been another learning curve. Um, right, now who are we going to find? We've got Rob, we've got Chris. I'm third. Third. Okay, Rob. Uh, I'm, I'm going to. Uh, Throw a curveball at, at uh, the owner of the gym next time. There <laughs> we go. So I guess I guess if you were going to put on workshops that are free, the people that signed up for the gym may have agreed because you like all that options you like with it. Um, I know in another industry that I'm in, we organise free workshops as well, and. I know that from the value of myself and the people that help me out on them, the worst thing that we could do is to organise a workshop that not many turn up to. Because it hurts us and it hurts everybody else. So if I'm going to have a workshop on, I go out of my way to get as many people involved there because it helps everybody in that industry and it helps you know, like, all us as well because what about my value mm. and you know, like mm. the uh, belief you know that I have you know like, uh, you know, like for me you know, like, is also dependent on yeah, how many you know like, actually arrive you know, like, to those workshops Just, just before we go to the next person, I just Sam had a really good one. You ran some events, and instead of saying free breakfast, you put sponsored by, and put a name on it. And I think that was that's brilliant. I don't personally, I really struggle with the word free anymore. Mm -hmm. I reckon it just needs to be. It's old. It's like twenty day invoicing or payments. It's old. Um, we'll go Chris and then Mark. So on my other hat, um, obviously a martial arts club. There's some parallels to what you do. One of the things, one of the offers we've got at the moment is um, we allow a parent to train for free if their child is training at a certain tier. So they pay for two, three classes a week, then their parents can train for free. And be kind of a similar thing is about offering value based upon some kind of tiered structure to a membership. That if you are paying for this kind of membership then you have these services. But if you pay for this then you can access these services and therefore what you can do is you can easily then tailor those services to drag people up to the upper tier and make sure your costs are covered to cover those. And we've seen a, an uptake straight away from parents that have come in and joined, which means we have got to our members to go up a level in their, their tier, which has increased our bottom line revenue. We haven't actually hasn't cost us anything, but now we have more people in the adults class, which then helps grow that class in its own right because more people are attending the workshop and seminars so people see that so they want to get involved as well. So there's ways of tying value to tiered kind of membership and offering additional services that way. What can you say to Jim? Oh, down to one more. Hello, Mark, thank you. Um, sort of thinking on Paul's scenario around the... Um, 
about offering the classes, and there's a $2,000 cost for that, and, and then picking up on what Rob said, that some of people who actually may have joined the course, that there are free classes to be had. So there's that thing. And then I sort of, and I sort of think obtusely here, I was thinking about sometimes it's, it's not so much the core function that you are providing or, or an opportunity, it may be some other area that you need to recoup that money in. And I saw a recent documentary, totally unrelated, but it just appealed to me and I could see a loose connection here. was uh, years ago, um, England, France, the old big hovercrafts, Dover to Calais service. And that was sort of the, the bee's knees on getting people quickly across the channel and people paid accordingly. And then of course they dug that bloody tunnel underneath <laughs> and suddenly things changed. And the, the big, these big hovercraft, they you know, carried hundreds of people, massive things, but they cost a bloody arm and a leg to run. And they could quickly see that the service was going to die. But they extended its lifetime by about three and a half, four years by offering one pound fares, but they recouped all their money by duty-free grog. And I was just stunned that they could sell so much bloody booze that kept this multi-million dollar service running. So I'm not suggesting that you sell booze at any time. But the point is, you know, you've got the punters in the door. Are there different opportunities where you can relieve them of money or something like that? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like diversification comes to mind. Uh, I don't know if Helen or Sam, but Helen has been waving at me for a while. Yeah. Sorry, Sam. Um, I hate the word free as well, and I try to never put free on my things because you get your tyre kickers and people that want everything for nothing. Um, I try and reword it by complimentary, if I have to use that word. Yeah. Or, in my prices, I show the value, because otherwise people do not see the value in it. So, four ninety nine, um, you're getting it for four ninety nine, but it is actually worth six ninety nine. That sort of thing. So it gives them an idea of what it is really worth. So they've got a value figure there. I think if they see that figure, they go, oh yeah, this is worth that. If if you just put free and with no value, then yeah, it's got no value to it. So I always put, yeah, something on there. So I helped somebody out who was, um, I have a, a teach people who's looked in for about $400 and I've had people pay for it. And then one guy came along and said his son's going to the Olympics and he needs to get in LinkedIn. So I offered my service at no charge. And as I said that, I said, it's a package of $400. And he, oh, no, 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 we haven't got any money. And I said, you know, I'll help you kid out. You come along to my office, I'll teach you how to do it. He never took me up on it. Really? Yeah, and I thought, oh, okay. So I didn't either believe <laughs> that I was giving my time away and um, when I charge other people. So, I had, you know, it doesn't work sometimes, does it? You have to, I think, you know, it works. Ah, uh, Sam? Free is a four-lettered word. Alright, so how are we doing? We've got some pretty good notes on there. We've got nine minutes left. Um, uh, so solutions, 30 day money back guarantee. Uh, offering a free trial to get customers in. But that also becomes a problem because free our free workshops value. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're in demand, and you don't have to worry about pricing, where do you stop? 
But who, if you, who, I like, I've heard before, specialist. Okay, yeah, I have to go see a specialist. A waiting list for six months. I said, no, forget it, my foot will heal by then. And then they ring me up, and they go, oh, we've got another specialist, he's not so busy. Okay then, four and a half months. And I think, oh man, imagine having that business. But how come he's not charging like a wounded ball, or is he? He is. Oh, I won't do that. I bad experience last time I threw it all the way in there. So I write myself. Um, if you were going to get heaps of... Yeah, I just don't write. I'm trying it. It's all, um, <laughs> if you were in an industry where you can charge basically what you like and get as much work as you like, if you charge more and more and more, that's great. You're going to make more money. But you need to lock people into your service or keep providing extra value, extra value, extra value. Because money flows where money goes and opposition and competition are going to flood into your market if there's a lot of money in it to be made. Yeah. And I think that's one key thing. But up there, the topic today is determine your value. And I'll tell you a short story about when I did EQC valuations as an independent after the earthquakes. At the start, I charged nothing because everybody else was helping everybody else after the earthquakes and I hadn't and I thought I'm going to do that. And then I realised that if I charge anything that gets refunded by EQC. So I charged and then I charged a little bit more and then I charged a little bit more. And it got to the point where although on the scheme of things per item I wasn't charging that much, there were so many items that I was doing each week, I was making quite a lot of money. And I realised that my self-value, when I was going into houses and having some interesting situations I was put into, I could handle it completely fine, because I knew exactly who, who I was, my self-value was high. And I think that sometimes if we don't charge enough or we're not making enough, our self-value is too low. And if it stays low, it's never going to go up. And we have to work out how to get it up. Does anyone have a problem with spending profit? Interesting though, because you said you started doing it because you felt that you needed to do something great for the world. Yep. And then you sold yourself. I, I know. No, 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 no. I started off free because I thought the people that had lost items in the earthquake were paying me to put their claim in. And then I realised that EQC were paying whatever they had to pay to put their claim in. So essentially, if I charged everybody nothing, the people that were making money out of me was EQC. So you went out there to do something good for society and then ended up taking money from me? I went out. <laughs> <laughs> well put, yeah. But you got that EQC. <laughs> no, from EQC. I, I, I can't get the dark side. Let me tell you one thing. Two non-ball speakers there. Uh, so Helen and then we'll go Mark and everyone else wants to have a go. We've got five minutes to talk about some takeaways after those two comments. It's what? interesting what industry you're in because or if your work is a want or a need because mine is a a want you know it's a it's not an essential profession I get um you know job I guess um but if you're a doctor no one comes about paying their doctor well they don't want to pay their doctor but they don't get a discount from their doctor so why is it okay 
to ask for a discount from me, but not from your doctor. I guess because they're essential and I'm not. But it's quite interesting how, you know, because often people will say, oh, can you just take a photo? Well, it won't cost you anything, just a click. Would you go to your doctor and go, can you just see me for 10 minutes? It won't cost you anything. You know, you just don't. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. All right, Thank you, Helen. Yeah. And talking about doctors, I was just talking to someone yesterday, I can't recall who it was, but they, they have a client, um, and they're in, in real estate, but they have a, they have a client who uh, is a specialist surgeon, uh, earning $190,000 a month. Just putting it out. Um, but the thing that I've, I've taken away from this is around pricing what you value, and sort of extending again what Rob is saying, and maybe he's hearing what Danny has said earlier, is that there is a point where you can value yourself too highly, and, and I, most Kiwis can sniff out greed. And, and I think at the end of the day, you need to be realistic, you put your margin on, you get a good income, because if you're in an um, occupational area where you have a monopoly, uh, and, you are, and you know that the demand's high and you can keep charging, at some point you're not building longevity in your business because someone will sniff out that you're just a greedy bastard and there'll be other people out there who will undercut you and provide the same level of service ultimately and you'll be gone. And so yeah, I, yeah, I cautionary note is greed. Yeah. Um, I did remember one real cool thing, the, the nice Rob, the other Rob Rob, uh, he said that there was a, a dentist that was um, going to extract a tooth and the guy said, how much does uh, that cost? And he said, oh, about $200. And he goes, well, how long will it take? And he said, five minutes. And the guy said, five minutes, $200. And he said, oh, I'll make it last an hour, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got some takeaways. David, uh, last comment, and then we'll just, go to takeaways. Just last comment. If you know, we've, we've said about not doing free stuff and uh, not discounting, etc. But there are times when discounting or a pro bono is appropriate for us if we're in a service area. My point that I just want to make, and I've made it before when we're talking about pricing, another another group that we had, I just said if you're going to do that, for goodness sake, when you send them the bill, even if it's a, sorry, if it's a discount, when you send them the bill, put in your proper price, the standard price that you would normally charge, and then say discount as agreed or discount for the loyalty or whatever it is that you want to put in, whatever that is, and then the bottom line what they're left with. So that's the suggestion I'm making to people, and it's a way then if some if a client is talking to another client who are using your services and they compare prices, you're not going to get caught short because they're going to know that that discount price for such and such. That's the first thing that helps with your credibility. Second thing is if you're going to do a pro bono job, still send them an invoice. Tell them what the value was and that there is no charge. 100% discount. Good for um, doing your reconciling too, by the way. Not. Uh, just uh, the determine your true value takeaways for today. So you walked in here this morning and you've left and you no value. Hope <laughs> with some value. What did you go away with? 30 day trial. I like it. Sorry, yeah, 30 day money back guarantee. That's what I like. Yep, I like that. I'm not charging anywhere near enough. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a whole subject in itself, Takeaways. Uh, the customer doesn't know your value if you yeah. haven't told them what it is. Educate your customer. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, who likes getting discounts? Everybody. 
who likes receiving value? Yeah, so that, oh, that's what I got out of it. Next week's topic? About showing your value. So determining your value is one thing, but how do you demonstrate your value to the customers? Demonstrating your value. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Not bad, not bad, I quite like that. Is anything wrong with that? What, is another topic? Yeah, you're onto this, mate. <laughs> <laughs> how long you been coming for? <laughs> If I was smarter, I'd think of some smart retort. Because <laughs> <laughs> it deserves it. It's all come in the car. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think it sounds good. So what have we come up with? Yeah, we've got it on the board next week. Showing how to show your value. Showing your value. Showing, Showing your, your worth, your Demo- value. Demonstrating your value. Demonstrating? we do some demonstrations. Are you working up Riverside? Have you been working out there? I'm heading up there. Hey, was it? That looks awesome. I went and checked it out on, mm-hmm. on Saturday and Sunday. So if anyone wants a, a fun corporate um, event, I can do cooking lessons up there for a corporate event. Now there's an interesting topic, just to go on a little bit longer. Somebody I know, you probably figure out how it is, said to me, for a three hour cooking lesson, it's $145. And I went, yeah. That's cheap. Mm. I think it is. But three hours, and you provide the food, and I presume you get there to eat it after it's cooked. And um, there I thought was good value, and there's somebody else going, oh my god. And it's a beautiful place up there, and you can see what they're doing, the whole concept, the whole nine yards, and then it's just two, two people's perspectives. Yeah. Alright, hey, thank you for joining us today. That's the podcast done, and also our think tank meeting. Have a great week. See you next week.